0: Okay, good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's well. Happy Wednesday for those that are here live. For those that are here in any part, thanks so much for tuning in. Even if you're jumping in in the middle, thanks for jumping in. Wherever you jump in, we're happy to have you. We've been talking yesterday about this idea of honor and how honor, really honor is of the most important traits that we're going to develop. It's, it's where our eyes go. It's the direction of our lives. But in developing honor, it starts with recognizing the depth in everything that I'm doing, but where it leads us to and where we were left yesterday with. And this is really the domain of how honor builds. Honor doesn't build necessarily through trying to find it in our lives. It manifests in that area. The work, the domain of the work that we do is in finding it in other people. The more we honor other people, the more we are aware of the depth in somebody else's actions, the more we condition ourselves to find the values and the traits and the virtues of somebody else, the more it manifests in ourselves. And the reason is intuitive, which is if it's honor, it applies to all of us if we all are spiritual beings with a physical body, if we all have virtues that are beyond the surface, if we all come from a piece of the divine, if we all have more, then it really doesn't matter if it's me or you, like at its core, right? At the end of the day, if I and you share the same traits that we are both souls and we both have virtues and we both have traits and we both have potential, then from a just straight logical perspective, the virtues in you and the virtues in me are, are somewhat similar. Now, if I spend time finding the virtues in myself, is it because I'm looking for honor or, or is it because I'm looking for ego? I don't know. And I got to find where where is it in my brain? Then I can figure that, you know, how hard that is, you know, how many years of work we've got to go through to like really say, no, nah, it's not really ego, it's honor. It's happened so many times in life, right? No, I'm not really like it's not for my honor. I I I it's for the position. I'm I'm I happen to be the head of this thing. So like I have to demand this level of honor. I it's not I'm trying to teach you how to respect adults. Right? Okay there's truth to that you got to teach children how to respect parents you got to teach people how to respect teachers for sure but like the person who's like holding strong on the honor is it because like they're being selfless in are teaching the other person or there's a little bit of like hey listen i don't know do you it's impossible how do we know these things we know these things by how much honor we give other people If somebody else's honor is being disparaged and we can care less, and then it comes to our honor or people that we know and love's honor, we go crazy, then maybe it's not about honor, maybe it's really about us. So when we think about real honor, what's the domain we have to work in? The domain that the work takes place is in the domain of others as we train ourselves as we push ourselves past the comfortable which is what you say and what you do is who you are which is how we live our lives what you do is who you are i don't need to know more about you what you say where you this is the new, the latest thing is who you voted for that's the latest right there's a concept now Do you ever hear like this People are getting divorced over their political parties. You can't have a different opinion than me. You can't. Because your political opinion is who you are. This is happening. I have family members that I was told, don't say this person's name in front of them. Because once you do, they go off the handle because they hate this particular person so much. They're like in their fifties. I'm like, there's no way. There's just no way that someone in their fifties who has 50 plus years of life in this world will go off the handle on just the mentioning of someone else's name. But it's true. I can't, I don't see past you. When we work, I'm smiling at Rob's comment, when we work on somebody else, when we spend time seeing somebody else, we start to develop it in ourselves. That's why in the famous the ethics of our father, Pirkei Avot, mm-hmm. one of the great rabbis, a rabbi named Ben Zoma said, who is honored, he or she who honors others. Because if you honor somebody else, what you're doing is you are building honor in yourself. When you honor somebody else, you are elevating the concept of honor in a way that has no other connection to you. In Hebrew, this is what, this is called nigiot or nigias, which is bias. I don't know if. I'm searching for my honor because it's the right thing to do or it's because it's the ego thing to do. But when I search it for the students that are in front of me, when I search it for the family in front of me, if I could sit at my own family table and see the people around me and start to search for virtues in somebody else. If I can hear somebody else's opinion, and as opposed to reacting in a way that disparages them in my mind or in my thoughts or in my words, start to slow down and look at them and search for virtues, if I can meet people across the table and stop looking at them for who they are in terms of how they look or what they can do for me or how much money they have, but I can look to them and listen to their speaking and listen for the depth that they possess because they're human beings and human beings are spiritual beings. The more I train myself to search for the humanity in other people, the more humanity and the more spirituality becomes where my brain goes. Because as we spoke earlier, we all have schemas and schemas are mental filters because we can't take in every bit of information. And one of the great mistakes that we make every day is that we think that spirituality is up. We think it's like above the heavens. We're we're God and the world to come. it's all like living somewhere in the sky somewhere. Spirituality isn't up. Spirituality is in. It's in everything. The divine is in everything, which means it's in human beings. It's in this, this world. So the reason why I can't perceive it, the reason why I can't see it, the reason why I don't feel spiritual isn't because I can't reach it or because I don't have a background for it. If I didn't go to this right school or come from this family, then I, or if I can't read these words, then all of a sudden I can't access spirituality. That's not how it works. Of course, schools and knowledge and words can give you greater perspective of spirituality. But the idea that I can't live a spiritual lifestyle, when I mean spiritual, I mean a deeper, more meaningful, more satisfying life. I don't need the physical world as much. I don't need this much physical to make me happy. I go deeper. I don't need a thousand friends to like me. I can have two in which I am connected to. The depth of life is what gives us the satisfaction of life. I can sit in front of one bit of work or one book or one person or one thing and be totally immersed in that person's essence that it satisfies me at a level that the surfaceness can't that's why people are so unsatisfied with their stuff Mm -hmm. because i can't possibly be satisfied with the thousand things that i'm dealing at the surface level so i am constantly overwhelmed with stuff that i'm turning to but there's nothing that satisfies me at a deep level well how do i get that It's your schema. It's our schemas. We can't see it because there's so many things happening. We're taking such big steps, like we said yesterday, that my eyesight's dim. I can't see it because I'm not conditioning myself to engage in relationships at a level of depth. So I can have tons of friends and be alone. There are a lot of people like this. They've got tons of friends. They've got tons of family. They're living around people and they're totally alone. And you speak to them and they're like, I feel alone. I'm like, how do you feel alone? Everywhere you turn is a human being. I feel unsuccessful. How do you feel unsuccessful? Have you seen your bank account? Do you see what you have? Why? And the answer is because I don't know how to connect to something in a deep way. I don't know how to live my life without me capturing it on a screen and sharing with people so that they tell me that I'm doing well. I don't know how to just live my life. And if I keep this up, I'm going to look at the person maybe that I married. And I don't know how to connect at a deep level. And I can sense it because it's not satisfying me. I had this years ago, years ago. I had this conversation with a colleague of mine we were working in the law firms together. I'll never forget this. He was giving me a smack for getting married early. Oh my gosh. I was getting it big time. 24, 25. Married with a little kid. Working in a big law firm next to me as this player. Like my, my office mate good looking dude. Who's like, are you out of your mind? You're getting married. You're settling. Are you nuts? You're your prime, man. Oh, this is like my office conversations. Year of this guy goes out every night and I'm telling him like, it's not how it is, man. This is our, this is like my office, my second year. We shared offices in, in my firm. I move, he move. As you grow up, you get your own office. I see him, and he leaves law because he is so unsatisfied in life. It's a long conversation, but he is so unsatisfied with life that he is in search for something deeper. And he actually goes into... He ends up becoming um, a financial advisor, but he goes into psychology for a while. And we have this conversation later about this exact, the exact piece. The guy would go out every single night, but he never was satisfied. Satisfaction in life is not based on quantity. It's based on quality. We spoke about this a few weeks ago, but the schema will f- always give you quantity first. The schema will always give you quantity before quality because that's how we're physically inclined and physical will always come before spiritual. It's always easier to touch and to taste and to feel than it is to to contemplate. Our schemas are built to give us a, quali- a quantitative life. We have to fight for a qualitative life. And the qualitative lives usually require less to get deeper satisfaction. And the way we do it is through honor. When we train ourselves, when we train our schemas to look at the thing before us and slow it down to find the depth of the person of the thing right before my eyes. I don't need to move to the next person yet until I can bring out the honor. And if when I start to bring out someone else's honor in my eyes and in my lips, the person in front of me's honor starts to be revealed for them. Because we are not built to see our honor. We can't. It's a blind spot. We don't know if it's bias. We don't know if it's ego. We don't know how to do it. It's it's an exercise of futility. We can't possibly know how great we are without going through ego. And that's not how great we are. So it's because I am biased in my own self. I don't know how great I am. There's a piece of us that will never come out until somebody sees it in us. Now, at the core, God sees it in us. And once we start to realize that the challenges that we get really is God seeing in us, which is maybe another conversation, then we get to the next level where we don't need people to bring it out in us. Abraham didn't need someone else to bring it out in him. He, he got it through God, but that's already like advanced stuff. At the very basic, for us to navigate and to live with the truth sense of who we are, the virtues that are within us need to come out. It comes out through each other. I mean, we have the when we have people in our lives, and we work to change our schemas, to use our eyes to see them and not to take from them what is quanti- quantitative, but to move to qualitative relationships, to see the greatness in somebody else, and to look for it and to find it and to bring it out, even if it's surrounded by stuff that we don't like. It's not like we're gonna find a diamond in and then we just like pull it out. People are complex, but to find something that is the virtue in the person before us and either to think it or to say it, it brings it out in them that they never would have had on their own. I once saw this, oh, I think my mom did this research. That in order to be successful in life, you need one person to believe in you. One person to believe in you in life besides yourself. Everybody needs somebody else to believe in them. Everybody needs somebody in this world to think more of them than themselves. Yeah, it could be a third grade teacher. That's how people keep on doing that. I told you the story. I told you the guy's name, Yotav Eliach. I told you the story. I don't know if I told you this story or not. Let's see what time it is. I'll tell it to you very quickly. When I was in high school, we had this thing called seminar, which was like this seniors and freshmen retreat. And it was like a big deal. I wasn't the best. I was very involved in the school. I just played two sports and the government, but I, I couldn't sit. I wasn't the best student in the slightest. I went to an academic school. So when seminar came around, they promote, they put out all the, um, they put out all the uh, the advisors, the seniors were the advisors for the freshmen and they put it like on the list in, the, in front of the school. And I wasn't on the list. And then I'm like, who cares? I cared. I cared. I cared it's seminar. I'm not. It's not like who wants to be a math tutor. You know what I'm talking about? This is like you're being an advisor for shme- for freshmen. And I remember saying to myself in 12th grade, maybe I'm not a good kid. I remember. I thought I was a good kid. There's some kids that study, some kids that do other things. I remember saying to myself, maybe I'm not a good kid. Like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I thought too much of myself. And I went home That's a good question. I'm going to, Andy, save Terry's question for Friday. Terry, excellent question. Let's save it for Friday. I want to talk about it in depth. I went home that, I made my mother pick me up early. I I blew out the the day. And I was a tough guy. I was a tough guy in high school. Too cool for everything. That night, my, my, my ninth grade elective teacher, I was in 12th grade. My ninth grade elective teacher, a man named Yotav Eliach, who's now a principal of the school called him Rambam. He called me, but his father is also Rabbi Elyach. He was the principal. So my mom picks up the phone. She goes, Rabbi is on the phone for you. I'm like, I wasn't in school. How could I get in trouble? The principal's calling for me. Pick up the phone. It's Yotav Eliach, ninth grade. I mean, I went with him for the summer in tenth grade. He hadn't seen me in two years. He said, I came to school today and I looked at the list. And then I noticed that your name wasn't on it. Think about this. Think about this. I want to tell you what a teacher can do to a kid. I noticed your name wasn't on it. Called me at home. This is not, he didn't pick up the cell phone. He had to go. This is the days for those of you who remember when phones were attached to walls. Remember those days? That means he had to go and look up my number in some kind of directory, call the house, He said, I noticed your name wasn't on the list. I think they made a huge mistake. They have no idea who you are. You're a great kid and you should have been an advisor. Took him two minutes to say that. He literally changed my life. I breathed again from one teacher giving me two minutes. We need to honor the people around us, those below us, so to speak, those above us that seem to be perfect when they're not. They seem to be above the need for compliments when they're not. The people around us, when we start to, sh- to clean our lens to see virtues in other people. We honor them. We bring out the greatness in them and we bring out the greatness in ourselves. That's how we are honored. And then we bond ourselves to people in ways that are so much more satisfying than what they can do for us. Some of the greatest things in life are free. And we have a life that can be incredible for free if we just are focused on the right thing okay we'll talk about this thank you everybody um try it today look, look at somebody today maybe even compliment them maybe even reach out to one person and speak about their virtue it's gonna blow them up tell you it's gonna blow them up be careful together one person, one time, we can make a huge difference on this world. That's our power. That's why God gave us eyes and mouth, my opinion, to give it to somebody else. Okay, I got to go. You have to go. I got to go. It's already past 920. Can't wait to see you tomorrow. It's an incredible day. And with God's help, I can't wait to see you tomorrow.